Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the only extreme metal podcast that matters. Uh, I am the death metal guy flying solo today. The black metal guy is currently embroiled in an argument with his Dungeons and Dragons group that merely because his character is named Rob Darkin, he does not have access to every spell in the game. Uh, on Terminus <laughs> on Terminus episode 37, we covered the debut full-length by a project called Anal Stab Wound with the Visceral Sovereign. Uh, this is a brutal death record that is unusual amongst its contemporaries due to its very developed uh, narrative songwriting style, uh, its high technical expertise, and uh, a real sense of atmosphere and uh, in-depth uh, songwriting development that you don't typically see in the genre. And I'm fortunate enough to be joined with Nikhil, the sole mastermind behind the project. And how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, so, a little backstory. This this interview has been like a nightmare to complete uh, because uh, originally we were scheduled to do this a while back. I got sick and flaked out. Then we did record a version and uh, it ended up being plagued with audio issues. Uh, but now we're here and I think we're good. So, we'll proceed. I hope so. <laughs> you don't want to have to do this shit again. All right. Um, so... <laughs> All right, so uh, last time we spoke, uh, we talked pretty in-depth about your songwriting process, and we're definitely going to go over that again, but uh, just give us a little bit of background on Anal Stab Wound, or uh, more generally, kind of how you came into Brutal Death and doing this music, Uh, because I've actually been watching on YouTube for a long time, where you do a lot of uh, Brutal Death covers, uh, mostly guitar, but you're doing a lot of multi-instrumental stuff now, and it seems like that's where you first started to get kind of the ball rolling on this whole process, is that right? Oh, yeah, basically all started with the covers stuff. I mean, I got into more of the, like, brutal death metal stuff a couple years ago, probably, like, four or five years ago. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much see in, like, the progression of my videos where I started to get into the, like, more raw stuff, if that makes sense, since I started it with, like, I think my first cover was, like, a Visceral Disgorge song. But, I mean, it started mostly with, like, as in terms of the straight metal stuff, like, technical death metal, like, progressive death metal, like, Beyond Creation, Necrophagist, like, all those kind of classic technical death metal bands. And then I started, you know, discovering through, like, recommendations or, like, even just YouTube recommended, uh, just, like, more of the raw, high-intensity, brutal death metal stuff. Yeah. And so how did uh, Anal Stab Wound begin? Uh, is this your... So this is your first full length that you've released. Is this the yeah. first music you've written? Or is or do you have a lot of stuff in the tank already? Uh, well, I started... I guess you could say I started writing this album probably like three or four years ago since I've just been constantly like being dissatisfied with what I've written and just kind of <laughs> scrapping it and rewriting stuff as many people do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so this is the pretty much the first like metal stuff I've written. I've done like one off like garage band projects for a couple of years, but this is the first stuff like I've actually written a full album of and like uh, had intent to put out. So yeah. Yeah, you see, the problem is you're too young, you missed the MySpace era, era, and you could have just been doing your garage band projects and doing splits with Malodorous and shit back in the day. <laughs> it's the ideal Become time for that classic stuff. classic MySpace deathcore band, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, hey, Malodorous <laughs> is back, and their second album's finally coming out. I'm really excited about it, so... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Did yeah. Did they have, the like, ca- a single out yet? Uh, yeah, they they uh, I think they did the title track off the Carry On Recoil, which is like the album they've claimed was gonna come out for like nine years now, and I guess <laughs> yeah. it's actually happening now. It's like it's it, oh, it's like the development of <laughs> it's like the development of Duke Nukem Forever or something. It's just like you know, it's just like we're still working on it, guys. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> um, I've noticed okay. a lot of like of those 
classic bands just been coming back, especially on like Brutal Mind, like Guttural Slug, Disavowed. Like everybody's yeah. kind of reviving. Yeah. Well, I think Brutal Mind in particular is doing a lot of work because they're also doing a lot of like reissues of old stuff, and they do seem concentrated on bringing yeah. back a lot of the old bands, which is cool. Yeah, I I mean, how many like lineup changes has Disavowed gone through? Oh god, over the years, I can't even imagine. It's been, uh, I mean, I've been listening yeah. <laughs> to them since Perceptive Deception, and it's ridiculous watching those guys try to get everything together. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, when you write music like that, it's hard to keep up. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Perceptive Deception's still one of my favorite brutal death records of all time. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, so for so you were talking about kind of the progression from tech death into kind of raw, brutal death metal. Um, and I'm kind of curious because uh, the Animal Stab Wound record is... I, I know that you're into covering a lot of, say, uh, you know, like the New Standard Elite style of brutal yeah. death. But the work on uh, the visceral sovereign is really, it's a lot more melodic and polished and uh, kind of atmospheric than a lot of those bands. So how do you feel you're kind of blending your influences on this one? I mean, it is kind of like blending those technical elements and a lot of progressive stuff. Cause like even like just the long song structures and kind of like the motivic, like, five sectioned kind of long songs but uh i mean yeah i've been blending a lot of that like raw brutal death metal style like because i know a lot of bands like obviously we all like the crazy random discorgy brutal death metal riffs but mm -hmm. i mean i especially with like a record as long as the visceral sovereign is like it's a lot of the like more straightforward brutal death metal bands like albums are like 30 or so minutes so i felt that if i was gonna make more of a like full length kind of release then you kind of need more of a cohesive like melodic type approach if it's that long of music yeah i get that so, um, so you brought up the motivic writing which is something we talked about last time and something we talked about yeah. on the show when we covered the record, which I think is one of the things that makes Anal Stab Wounds stand out so much, is this very clear, uh, almost classical, in a sense, uh, motivic riff writing. Um, you know, just the, the reappearance of these kind of elegant melodic motifs in multiple, multiple contexts and multiple rhythmic structures. Uh, is that kind of central to songwriting for you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the riffs are based off of, like, motifs that appear throughout the song, and that can be seen in a lot of, like, Defeated Sanity stuff, especially, like, their new album, like, Passages into Deformity, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, like, that's pretty much my approach when writing songs, like, to try to bridge between riffs, like, having common motifs uh, uh, that just kind of reappear throughout the song to like tie it a little bit more together yeah so uh, when you're writing uh, this is something that's very interesting to me especially in this style of music so when you write a song are you sort of through writing it from beginning to end or are you taking a collection of motivic riffs and then building around it it's usually kind of beginning to end for me like usually I'll start off with guitars like I'll just come up with an intro riff track that listen to it back see like where I'm feeling that might go and maybe just like jam over it until I have something that kind of makes sense with where it should go next and then as I progress along like I'll think oh it would be cool to maybe repeat a riff from wherever here to try to you know like bridge it together a little bit more but mm -hmm. yeah it's mainly just beginning to end sometimes I'll like have it fully written and then insert a section somewhere in the song but yeah it's mainly through writing i gotcha and uh in terms of 
how the whole album hangs together. Uh, what, what were you concentrating on? It, it feels like we've talked about this on the show. Um, every guitarist has a a set of like kinds of riffs that they're very comfortable with. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't write a lot of brutal death on guitar. I do mostly like old school death metal or black metal. Um, yeah. But for instance, I can hear in your stuff, you've got these sort of chuggy, brutal death versions of like decapitated riffs. That would be like a riffing style you use. You have these more ornate kind of textured things, which I attributed to ulcerate. But upon talking to you, you were saying it's more disentomb, right? Yeah, I mean, well, like even disentomb, I think, draws a lot of inspiration from ulcerate and those kind of like dissonant death metal bands. Uh, but yeah, especially what you said about like the decapitated brutal death style riffs. It's a lot of like shifting dyads, like tritones, fourths, minor thirds, major thirds, stuff like that. So just like sometimes there's just a bass rhythm of those shifting kind of chords and then you just kind of trim pick it to get that sound. And that's what I've done on a lot of those tracks. Yeah, you don't do a lot of just, like, really harsh, like, orchidectomy-style chromatic stuff. All of your stuff... (laughs) Yeah, all of your stuff, even kind of at its most extreme, seems to have a real melodic core to it that you don't hear in a lot of other Brutal Death. Yeah, I try to do more stuff like that, especially with those fast riffs, like, in order to kind of break them down to progress into a next section you kind of need that kind of quote-unquote melodic type riffing to like just kind of further the song and make it easier to break down later on but uh yeah i mean just having like a less melodic riff it can be a little more difficult to do stuff like that Oh, yeah. No, I mean, when I write, I, one of the reasons I have trouble writing Brutal Death stuff on guitar is because it's so hard for me to write a super chromatic riff and be like, yes, yeah. that's the way I want it. That's that's what it's supposed to sound like. I, I can listen to, you know, I could listen to Insidious Decrepancy all day, which is like nothing but techy chromatic riffs. And I'm like, yeah, this is all awesome. But when I try to do something like that, it's like, is this the right version of it? And then I just get in my own head and I can't fucking figure out what to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, it's so much trial and error with that type of stuff. I mean, a lot of something I've found helpful is kind of like first basing a riff off of like a shape kind of, like Mm -hmm. just something enclosed between like maybe four frets, like just a pattern that kind of feels good. And then just Mm kind of base it on that and adjust a little bit as needed just to try to get the sound you want so i found that like a helpful jumping off point for that stuff well that's i mean that's something i kind of learned from watching some of your videos because um especially uh we talked about this last time but when you did the uh cover of uh balsabub um, oh yeah and uh picking that apart and then seeing okay so these are basically brodequin riffs and brodequin riffs are Mm -hmm. also not quite like other brutal death riffs because there tends to be some sort of like micro phrase like a like a snatch of like kind of medieval melody and then the chromatic stuff is wrapped around oh, yeah. it brodekin is like generally actually pretty like the production doesn't do it any favors to bring out the like melody part but a lot of them are like actually pretty melodic if you sit down and like pick it apart yeah, and it's also it's also much simpler than it seems at first. Like, bro- yeah. because of the production, Brodequin riffs sound like there's a billion notes in them, but it's like, oh, they're actually mm-hmm. these pretty simple interval patterns. They're just really well-chosen phrases. Oh, yeah. And a lot of repetition, too. It's like a... I think those kind of early Brodequin-y bands have that more, like, cohesive, less riff-salad type approach. Because it's mm-hmm. a lot more melodic and, like, very carefully repeated and stuff like that, which I found really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, in a bigger sense, I feel like Brodequin is, like, the 
the heartbeat at the center of most of the raw, brutal death stuff. I feel like without Brodequin, oh, there's yeah, no definitely. there's no new standard elite, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. That, like, hyper-blasting John Eggman ping-blasting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta have the ping. I mean, yeah, basically between... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, between, like, uh, methods of execution and... Uh, like molesting the decapitated. If you remove those two, brutal death, modern brutal death basically doesn't exist. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially the production. Like even at the time, if that was considered like shitty production, the people who love those bands want to kind of emulate that. So that's basically what's taken the whole raw, like kind of movement off. Yeah, and it's well, it's interesting because that was almost like a. A, a reactive thing because like in the mid to late 2000s mm-hmm. there was just so much super polished like clinical unique leader yeah. tech death and you started seeing the first of those like really raw guys emerge like late 2000s like again like orchidectomy and stuff and now it's just taken off mm-hmm. and that's the style of oh, brutal yeah. death that I was always really into so it's cool to see that become like kind of preeminent Mm-hmm. And I, I've even seen that with, like, black metal, that kind of raw style being a reaction to the more, like, polished black metal. And I think that's the exact same thing that happened with Brutal Death Metal. Oh, definitely. So, uh, we talked about this last time, but it bears repeating. So, the uh, drums on the Visceral Sovereign, those are all you. That is not a drum machine. Yep. So... Can you take us through kind of your uh, your instrumental background? Because uh, obviously you're doing all the instruments and the vocals on this record. And we've seen you yeah. play guitar on your videos a lot. And now we're starting to see the drum covers. But it turns out drums are actually your first instrument, right? Yeah, so I started playing drums probably 10 or so years ago. Like, actually, seriously. But, um... So yeah, I started doing more of the extreme metal stuff probably like six or seven years ago, like blast beats, double bass, that kind of stuff. So, and then guitar, I think I started probably five or so years ago. And then I've started bass pretty much while I was writing that album so I could actually (laughs) play the parts. (laughs) So uh, yeah, and I started drums like classic rock stuff progressive rock stuff like led zeppelin rush those kind of bands and then i started getting into the more technical progressive metal stuff like even like dream theater and bands like that mm-hmm. and so so first of all it always takes me back that it's like oh i picked up guitar five years ago and here's where i am now great <laughs> thanks nick hill making my uh making me realize how badly how badly i applied the time of my fucking 16 years of playing guitar or whatever (laughs) or maybe how i've played guitar way too much so i mean is that i mean is that basically your your whole thing outside of you know school and whatever obligations is just kind of grinding away on music all the time yeah pretty much i'm in a uh uh I'm in a program called School of Rock in New Canaan, and we just, we basically play shows around the area, like classic rock stuff, and obviously that's not really been happening in the COVID time, but yeah, that's mainly what I do. I mean, how do you, how do you keep it consistently interesting? Because for me, um, for me, it's a matter of, like... Uh, trying to it's very difficult for me to just like sit down and practice something I have to constantly be like writing something new or like having that sort of goal in mind so I've always been impressed by people who seem to just like really love just the act of playing an instrument which is not something that's ever been my thing it's always just been a means to an end so how do you keep how do you maintain that level of interest like you do i mean the main drives is usually like if i want to play a song and i can't play it then i have to practice but (laughs) uh 
Yeah, it's just like maybe if I'm not accurate or if I'm not getting a certain technique, I'll just kind of force myself to sit down and try to actually get it. But yeah, the main motivation is just kind of play the stuff that I can hear in my head and be able to play it well or be able to play a song that I hear I'm like, oh, that sounds really hard. So, I mean, I personally don't do a lot of like very structured practicing, which is probably a bad thing. But yeah, I mean, interest, I, I mean, I'm just playing all the time. I'm not, yeah, it's, that's kind of a hard question to answer, <laughs> but. You touch on something interesting, though, which is something that I've seen with a lot of brutal death guys in particular, which is the idea of playing this kind of music as a sort of athletic exercise. You know, it's um, it's it's oh, yeah. about 
constantly outdoing yourself. It's about constantly exercising. It's about exceeding yourself, which is really interesting because mm-hmm. that's that's something I've done kind of unintentionally writing my own music. You know, I write something that's just a little bit harder, so I have to like practice it until I can play it. But you yeah. and a lot of other brutal death guys I've talked to seem to approach that from uh, a much more concentrated kind of deliberate place. I mean, is that kind of fundamental to you, the idea of constantly outdoing yourself and exceeding yourself technically? Uh, I would say so, but like, even in that kind of like trying to outdo what you've previously done, sometimes it can like come at the expense of actual songwriting. So it's a, a tough balance, but yeah, especially with like a lot of those extreme bands, like even even Arch Spire or like the super fast technical bands, there's like a kind of an expectation that the next album will be way faster, way heavier. But I mean, even if it is like sometimes the previous material is better, like in a songwriting sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, like even with the new stuff I've been writing, I've been consciously like oh you should go faster since you didn't go as fast in the previous <laughs> stuff so <laughs> I, I have so, a speed I mean, debt to the people <laughs> <laughs> you must exceed 300 bpm um <laughs> but yeah i mean i get that desire but it's a very fine balance that you should try to maintain yeah um so in addition to anal stab wound, uh, first of all, uh, congratulations. It seems like reception to the record's been great. And, uh, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, congrats on getting on Inherited Suffering and everything. Um, but you've got several other projects. You're doing a lot of kind of session-type drumming with other bands. So do you want to kind of spin yeah. us through those real quick? Yeah, so uh, right now, actually, yesterday, the Undeciphered album got released, which I've probably worked on like six or so months ago so i'm Mm -hmm. happy that that's finally gotten out um i've been doing some drumming in bludgeoned uh engulfed in repugnance which is the same guitarist as undeciphered since he's in like sixteen thousand. yeah that's oscar right (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) yeah i think you covered a couple of his bands before yeah we covered uh induced and uh, molecular fragmentation he's got a really unique Uh, uh guitar style that I think is a lot more influential than people realize. Mm -hmm. And even just from his tone, you instantly know that it's him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I've been doing a couple uh, side session drumming stuff. Like uh, there's a project hate inclination. Uh, It's in California. It was a one man band, but now it's going to be live drums for the next release and then hebephrenia which is uh the guitarist from hymenotomy's side project so Mm -hmm. yeah it's been really cool to get to be able to do that stuff especially since you can all do it from home yeah so as far so for everything you're doing right now everything you're doing is remote right yeah so I mean, have you, in terms of like the metal stuff you've done, have you ever gotten to be in a full band environment or has it always been like remote or yourself? Uh, so far, it's all been remote since it started. Uh, since I started recording drums for people probably, probably last summer. Uh, but in Bludgeoned, we're hoping to actually play shows and get together since they're all in the, in the States as well as me. So that's kind of the only project that I can since everybody else lives in like Europe or whatever. <laughs> I gotcha. So <laughs> how is it? Um, I have a, a tremendous amount of difficulty writing music with people remotely. Um, it's just, there's something about it. It's, it's really hard for me to get the motivation to do it. You know, you don't have the same yeah. energy as having a bunch of other guys in the room with you. So, Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like you've, I mean, been basically doing that from the start, so you're pretty comfortable with it. So how do you think that affects the songwriting process? Because obviously it just has to work differently. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you're in a room with people, there's more, like, immediacy to say whether, like, you like how, like, a part is going or how a certain section sounds or whatever. But when it's online and you're just kind of sending files back and forth, it's just more of a hassle since everybody's already recorded their parts and nobody really <laughs> wants to like go back and retrack stuff so i yeah. think there is like a more tolerance for things slipping through the cracks but i mean generally it's it's a i mean since i've been doing it especially with oscar and how his workflow goes uh i've gotten a lot more comfortable with it but uh when i first was recording the undeciphered stuff it was really hard to like find a place to start but then just through feedback and knowing what everybody wants it got a lot easier but yeah i feel like actually being present with people songwriting is a lot easier and it's more of more of a fluid experience since there's no actual tracking and setting what you have in mind in stone and hoping that everybody likes it too but <laughs> yeah i mean it's definitely a different experience yeah, I mean, it's a, well, it's all a matter of you're trying to get to that same level of kind of comfort and familiarity with each other. It's just yeah. much slower, naturally. Yeah, especially since, like, even in different time zones, it's hard to, like, do a phone call or, like, voice call. So it's hard to, like, actually get to know people <laughs> in a way. Yeah. But, yeah. Pretty well, good. how did you... How did you get in touch with all these guys? Was it just through the YouTube channel? Or, I mean, how did you get in the scene, so to speak? Yeah. Uh, it's been just a lot of people, like, messaging back and forth on Facebook. And, yeah, it's pretty much all started from my covers and YouTube channel and stuff. So, I mean, especially in Brutal Death Metal, there's there's not enough drummers to go around. Oh, That's no, definitely not. <laughs> a lot of drummers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like even pretty much every brutal death drummer is in like six bands just cause everybody <laughs> really badly wants them. <laughs> you got, you got to start like billing people for it way more. It's like, you know, you yeah. get, you get a, it's like sharing a practice space with a bunch of bands, but it's like, okay, all of us are going to use the same drummer. We're going to split the bill for him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just stays there in the practice room for a day straight. Yeah, exactly. It's like we we got Nick Hill marked out from uh, six to ten, but you can have him after, man. We gave him some granola bars; he'll be fine. <laughs> Should put myself up for rent. Yes, throw yourself on Craigslist. Uh, so, uh, kind of touching on that aspect of things, uh, the sort of remote thing. Something we were talking about on the show when we covered the uh, Focal Dystonia record last year uh, was. I had this theory that brutal death bands these days are operating kind of more like jazz sessions than bands in the conventional sense, because everyone seems to like, there's a lot of people doing stuff remotely. Like that may even be like the main way that big brutal death releases are done now. Um, and they're yeah. all kind of well-known musicians with a ton of projects between all of them. And, I'll, these these aren't really bands like there's not when they do an album mm -hmm. there's not this understanding implied or not that there's going to be another album it's like we're going to do a session together yeah. like it's fucking miles davis <laughs> or something um <laughs> so how i mean how would you see that work because i've always been in like a traditional band environment you know i've never i mean i've known some high profile musicians but i haven't been like hey, let's cut a record together. But that seems to be kind of the way it operates in Brutal Death Metal these days. I mean... I mean, yeah, it's... That, I've never really thought about it like that, but that, that's pretty spot on. Like, every band either gets together for, like, one release or the next release. It's, like, basically a different lineup. It's all, like, revolving door with members. So, I mean, yeah, it's all just kind of independent musicians just getting together to record something together and i mean i think that's just mainly a product of how easy it is to like do stuff remotely nowadays is you can just get together with a bunch of people and produce a record in like a couple months without ever needing to even see each other 
So, I mean, I feel like that environment has definitely caused that kind of diff- that kind of shift between traditional bands and more like Miles Davis brutal death metal. <laughs> well, I think it's I think that part of it is also that kind of unlike a lot other a lot of other uh, metal styles, brutal death kind of lives on the internet, you know. Yeah, I mean, because there's not really like big distributors like pushing brutal death CDs in their stores or whatever. So, I mean, pretty much all the, especially since it's so widely dispersed throughout the world in terms of fans and how everybody kind of lives in different countries. I, yeah, it's pretty much like the internet is besides shows and stuff like that, but that's pretty much where it entirely lives just because it's so underground. Yeah. Well, I think, well, there's also kind of a cultural thing that goes on. Because, like, um, for instance, I'm in a slam death band, and uh, I, I do vocals. And the guys that I work with in that are really into, uh, say, something like analepsy. Whereas, for me, in yeah. Brutal Death, I'm basically just listening to, like, embodied torment all day and shit like that. <laughs> so it seems like... Even within Brutal Death, it seems for, like, the really raw stuff, uh, the kind of New Standard Elite or, like, Severed Records kind of stuff, that's almost kind of its own micro-niche, apart from everything else. You never run into anyone at a show that's listening to Artery Eruption, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Even if you find someone who likes death metal, it's very unlikely that they listen to, like in Senathrak or whatever. <laughs> Which they should be doing, because I, I fucking love in Senathrak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, but that's also something that's interesting to me, because we've talked on the show about, like, like, I personally believe that in death metal, the most exciting stuff, the most interesting kind of forward-thinking stuff is coming out of brutal death metal. Um, but it feels at this point like brutal death and slam what have you are now just kind of removed from the death metal scene it's like they 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 declared their independence performed a coup <laughs> and now exist on their own like island somewhere yeah it's like very even stylist like I'm even thinking of like the Theurgy demo. I don't know if you've heard that on oh, the Standard rules. Elite, but it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's just so far removed from death metal. Like it's just completely its own thing. Oh yeah, well, Theurgy like doesn't have riffs anymore. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember little sweeps and slams. Yeah, well, yeah, I remember when, uh, like, for instance, when the Enmity record started to blow up on the internet and everyone started hearing that for the first time and just like watching like regular death metal people try to process that fucking thing (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah Yeah. no this is how it's supposed to sound there aren't notes or anything like that yeah it's (laughs) I mean like generally when I see people really hating on a new artist like the established people it's probably just because they're doing something cool and innovative like (laughs) artery eruption theurgy so i don't take too much stock in what people are saying oh this is garbage well you're kind of an interesting case though because like did you start with kind of traditional or old school death metal or did you just like immediately click on to the kind of techie modern stuff uh, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't actually listen to a lot of the old school stuff, like, probably my first death metal band I listened to was, like, Cannibal Corpse, but not, like, the old school Cannibal Corpse, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I think what drew me to the more technical stuff was, like, the challenge of playing it, since even, like, old school death metal was pretty raw. I gotcha. Well... In terms of, so, I mean, not to make too fine a point of it, so you're a young guy. Uh, You just turned 16, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm always curious about how people from different generations, so to speak, within this music listen to it. Uh, I was talking, I did an interview with a buddy of mine 
last year, uh, who's, I think he's uh, like 21. And it was interesting hearing like how he discovered new music and stuff, because for instance, I came up like listening to stuff in like the early to mid 2000s. So then it was all file sharing. That was our sequel to, you know, tape trading was just soul seek and DC plus plus for the people who were like really into underground stuff. But nowadays, mm-hmm. with stuff like YouTube and Bandcamp, it's at a level of accessibility it's never been before. So it's it's oh, interesting, yeah. like, like back in my day, fucking Christ, back in my day, holy shit, um, <laughs> you would have had to, like, be really invested just to figure out that stuff like artery eruption exists where now you've got like algorithmic recommendations that will funnel that stuff directly to you. So for you, I mean now, nowadays uh, you know, you're tapped in with all these people in the scene, you know, everything that's coming up when you're first discovering it, is it just like fucking YouTube and Spotify or like how do people do it these days? I mean, yeah, it's pretty much all internet because, like, no one's really handing out CDs of, like, Enmity records or whatever. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's pretty much all, like, YouTube recommendations, even, like, comments like, oh, this sounds like whatever. Um, But, yeah, it's pretty much all internet discovery or Bandcamp or, like, related artists and Spotify or stuff like that. So I think that kind of that amount of heightened accessibility has really grown like both people who like it and then both people who stumble across and like what the hell is this <laughs> well i mean honestly i would attribute a lot of it just to uh i it sounds weird to say that it's so important but i think that slam worldwide really has become like one of the most important oh, things yeah. in this whole side of music yeah. Uh, I call it the, uh, the I, I think I was calling it the, uh, the greater beatdown movement. Because now, because it's kind of like, because um, <laughs> Slam Worldwide obviously was starting with just Slam, but now so much of it is like beatdown hardcore or really gnarly, yeah. brutal death stuff. It seems like all of those scenes seceded and became their own thing. Like, all the guys that I talk to who are into, like, New Standard Elite tend to be into, like, really weird beat down hardcore stuff or down tempo or you know these other it's like all the music that got disrespected by normal people is gathered together in one place (laughs) yeah i've never really met people who they either love beat down and hate raw brutal death metal or vice versa but i mean especially with slam worldwide it's kind of hard to avoid like that kind of mixing of genres simply just because you pay to get your band posted on there and then if the moderator doesn't want to starve they can't like refuse bands but, <laughs> but uh i mean <laughs> but i mean the the beatdown guys that first started posting on there like they understood there was something to it like there there's a reason oh, that yeah. that became like a part of the texture you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And it's and I just think, basically become like the home page for slam or beat down hardcore stuff. Yeah, I think it might have to do with um, like a lot of those bands that were coming out, uh, you know, in the early 2010s, like uh, No Zodiac, Zabalba, that started bringing back yeah. hardcore meets death metal, but not in the deathcore way. Yeah, I actually like a lot of that stuff i i don't think it's like as traditionally beat down like a lot of the vocals are more death metal sounding like balls above oh not balls above uh like fuming mouth even their new stuff so i've actually kind of liked a lot of that because it's like kind of that old school death metal new style mixed with like melodic stuff and beat down yeah, no, it's it's the opportunities for people who are into really dumb music have expanded like infinitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Just look at all the parody slam bands on Slam Worldwide. God, I can't believe people are still doing that. Um, so That's so funny. So in terms of anal stab wound, 
Um, what's what's next for that one? Because obviously a lot of people really enjoyed this record. So are you already writing new stuff? And moreover, is Anal Stab Wound, you've got all these other bands, but is that one going to be kind of your your main solo thing? Or do you have a, a bunch of different shit you're looking to do? Uh, that's probably going to stay my main solo thing. I don't foresee like making a second one-man project if I already have like this kind of built up so far. Uh, but for now, I've been I've been slowly writing stuff over the past couple of months. I'm going to be releasing a split soon with two other bands, and I'm thinking of also uh, releasing an EP along with that with the split songs and maybe a couple bonus tracks. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been working on. And then musically... What's the next step beyond the Visceral Sovereign? What do you want to accomplish? It's a lot more melodic in the, like, dissonant sense of melody. Uh, (laughs) And it's a lot, like, even, like, listening back even, there's a couple spots, like, where it's kind of that riff-after-riff type approach. And I've been kind of trying to avoid that, so not more repetition but more like actual trying to like make cohesive songs and sections kind of stick together and I'm also I've also been trying to do like kind of entire album motifs like sprinkled in there to try to even tie the songs themselves together and like linking points between songs like transitions into songs on the album so I've been trying to work on that to try to get more of a cohesive full album than I've previously done. Because I haven't really done uh, transitions between songs and hearing albums like uh, Defeated Sanity's recent where all the songs are just perfectly interwoven has kind of led me down that path. So so what's the end game? Is it just doing the uh the the brutal death yyz <laughs> probably just random behold the octopus brutal death metal maybe <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, i think sticking with rush is probably better but you know how about how about orthrealm yeah, how about we do orthrealm <laughs> brutal death yeah maybe 2112 slam brutal death metal <laughs> 